Everyone say first things first. How many of you know priorities are hugely important in life? In fact, regardless of where you are, what you do, what you think you know or what you think you do or don't know, you have, pri- you have a list of priorities. In fact, I can tell you about your priorities just by looking in your checkbook or looking on your credit card statement or talking to your kids or your spouse. We all have priorities and we need to be prioritized in everything we do and, and whatever you do in your field, there's, there's steps, there's order, there's structure. And God is a God of order, a God of structure. Uh, and we've got to learn to line up with the priority of God for our life. And our keynote verse that I hope you've got memorized, I should make, I should, I should do, make a test here today. If you don't have this memorized, I'm, I may come back from Mexico and, and, and just give you a thrashing with a wet noodle or something. But you need to get this. Look at your neighbor and say, we gotta get this down. Tell somebody. We gotta get this down now. We gotta get this verse down. It's gotta become more than just a memory verse. It's gotta be a life, uh, verse for us, uh, and especially this year. So let's read it out loud together. Matthew 6, 33, everyone. But seek first. Say it again. But. Amen. But seek first, Jesus said, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we tend to put at the head of the list of priorities, food, house, shelter, clothes, fishing, golf, you know, whatever your priorities are, all these other things, if you'll just make him top priority, and his kingdom top priority and being right with him based upon what it means to be righteous, all these other things that we tend to worry about, we shouldn't just worry about, they'll all just be, and that word added means annexed into your world. It'll just be all of a sudden, there it is. Everybody say, everybody say well, shazam, there it is. Amen. God's a God of supernatural supply and provision, but we've got to put him and not ourselves as top priority. How many of you know even your family should not be your top priority? Hello, it's, I know I'm getting close, but uh, he's got to be our top priority. So that's where we've been talking. It's the first of the year. And if we can order our world correctly, Everything else starts lining up rightly as well. So that's where we've been. That's where we are. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, the first eight or nine verses here. And we may be here a couple of Sundays. I've got, uh, I've got, uh, you know, my problem, I, I tell people all the time, I told people in San Antonio uh, uh, when I ministered there last week, I said, my problem is not what to say, it's what not to say. I got a lot to say. I just got to figure out what not to say. Uh, And so I've got a lot to say, but also know I've got a Sunday or two to do it. So if I don't get all the way through my notes this morning, uh, we'll just pick up next Sunday. Is that fair enough? Okay, so here we go. Uh, Acts chapter 1, let me set this up for you. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Somebody say amen. And... If we had time, we'd go over to the last part of Matthew, the last chapter of Matthew. Uh, you know, everything uh, here in Acts chapter 1 is not re- 
it's not the totality of what he said to them, uh, and we'll look at that. But he also said back in Matthew one, uh, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse eighteen, nineteen, as he before he ascended to heaven, he declared to them the great commission. Everyone say the great commission. And so you keep that in mind as we read this. This all is the it's it's all happened at the same you know time period within four, you know forty days after he rose from the dead. So uh, Luke is now recording uh, the, the he's writing the book of Acts and recording uh, th- these last moments of Jesus Christ. Uh, words of insight to his disciples before he ascends to the Father. Now, you remember, he told them he was going to do this. They didn't really understand it. You know, all, all the time while he's here, he told them he was going to die, but he also told him he was going to rise from the dead, and, and he told them that he's going to ascend into heaven, and they just didn't get it. They just quite never could get it. And so after he rose from the dead, the light starts coming on for the disciples and the apostles, but he still needs, as the resurrected Christ, as we'll read, 40 days with them in intensive training and, 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 and insight in order to prep them for their new role as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we know in Acts chapter 2, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out and the church is born and here we are today. Whew, everybody got the context of this verse now. So here we go. It says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, Luke's writing to Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. Somebody say taken up. And he's about to record it right here. He, until the day in which he was taken up after he, watch this, listen carefully, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering, speaking of the cross, by many infallible proofs, unmistakable proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then he says, verse 4, Luke says, and being assembled together with them, seeing Jesus with these disciples, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And if you look at the Gospels, especially Gospel of John, he said, you know, don't worry, it's okay. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. He's going to help you. So, so he promised them earlier, but now he's saying to them as the resurrected Christ, just before his ascension into heaven, hey, Listen, this is what I was talking about. I told you before, the Holy Spirit's come. And he said, he said, don't depart from Jerusalem, uh, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, Luke says, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Somebody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses or be witnesses to me. And here's the connection with the great commission that he had said sometime in the not too distant past from this moment. He said, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, uh, you shall be witness to, witnesses to me in Jerusalem, 
and into all Judea and Samaria, and everyone say, to the end of the earth. And you see how that connects with the Great Commission. You need to understand that. And then it says, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. And everyone said, amen. So he ascended to the, to the promise of the Father. And here's what you and I need to, here's what you and I know about the last opportunities to communicate with people. These are Jesus' last words as a, as a, on planet earth. The 40 days that he met with him was the last 40 days of, of insight and instruction and relationship and, and ministry to the, to the future leaders of the church. And so how many of you know, last words are very important. We were talking, you know, Matt lost his dad. How long ago, Matt? How many? October 1. Uh, and so I, my mom passed away a couple of years ago. And, and so we're, you know, all of us have the, and, and I, I, we were talking about that. And I talked about the opportunity, even though my mother was fading and couldn't communicate with me. I thought how important for me because uh, I believe she can hear me. I'm going to speak to her good words. Last, my last opportunity to talk to my mama before I get to heaven. And I shared with her my love and my thanksgiving. And, and those are important things. And, and Jesus is doing that in a different kind of way, but the same kind of way. No, he, he, he rose from the dead. He's ascending to the problem. And so very important. And let me just say this. Uh, he taught them in these 40 days, what I'm going to call top priority principles for the church. How many of you know, he, he, we wouldn't be talking about the weather. We wouldn't be talking about, you know, you know, just, hey, boy, it's good to have it. Hey, he, he invested with them in his last hours principles of top priority that you and I need to embrace. And though we don't know what all he said in those 40 days, there's some things we can glean here today. Uh, and I've got six. I may not get to about four of them. But I just, I just gleaned uh, six insights about these last few days of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry as the resurrect, resurrected Christ. And I want to give them to you today and let you take some time to meditate and ponder on them. So how many of you want to go down the road with me? Here we go. Here we go. The first thing I want to share with you that I think are, is a top priority principle that we glean from these last 40 days of Jesus' earthly ministry is, it's this, the, the priority of resurrection revelation. Everyone say resurrection revelation. Now, he had been teaching them for three years, but there were things they just couldn't get until after he rose from the dead. When the light came on, then they said, oh, now I see. And, I, and, and though Jesus had three years with them, he knew as the resurrected Christ, there needed to be a, a, a real assertion and understanding of the importance and the priority and the understanding of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
So it says he showed them himself to them in many ways with many infallible proofs. What was he doing? He was pressing within them the importance and the, and, and the priority and the, and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I would have loved to have been in that seminar. But let me tell you this. What he knew and what now we know and what we need to embrace even from this is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the gospel. Without the understanding, and the, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, we'd just be among all men most miserable. We would just be dead in our sins if he didn't rise from the dead. You can read that in 1 Corinthians 15, really the whole chapter there. Paul's saying, let me tell you the gospel. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again, just as he said. And he said this is the gospel. And then he begins to talk about the fact that people in his day were saying, there's no resurrection, there's no resurrection. And he said, there is a resurrection. He said, but if you don't believe there's a resurrection, you're in serious trouble. And he said, if Jesus didn't rise to, from the dead, we're still in our sin. So let me tell you something about the priority of God for the church. We cannot get away from the core cornerstone of the gospel. He died for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, he rose from the dead just as he said. Somebody say, he is risen just as he said. And the church must get an understanding of that. We've gotten sidetracked a little and we think, you know, church and Christianity is all about getting my needs met and taking care of me and bless me, this, me, this, that. No, that it, that, as we'll see in a moment, uh, he's, he's adjusting their thought patterns to realize, man, you gotta, you gotta wrap your head around this. Here I am. I have risen from the dead so the whole earth can be saved. And the church had to get a hold of that. We got to get a hold of that. Romans 10, 9 and 10, what does it say? It says, it says this concerning us. Uh, it says that if we believe in him, if we confess him as the Lord of our life and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be what? Saved. You see, you got to confess him as the Lord. That's a priority. But then the second priority and equally important, uh, you got to believe, have faith and confidence and assurance in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love what it says here. He showed himself alive with many unmistakable and infallible uh, ways and means. They had to get it. They had to know it. They had to believe it. They had to embrace it. They had to live it. They had to experience it. And so do we. Somebody say amen. That's a priority in our life. Priority number two that I see about this first 40 days that Jesus shared, really, it's the overall thought. I, I call it the priority of spiritual readiness. What was he doing? He was getting them ready. He rose from the dead. They're all just, how many of you know, they've been, through, they've been traumatized. I don't know if you've ever been traumatized. They've been traumatized. They went from, from being the heroes to the zeros. They, they had a, the, some of them probably had, you know, a, a bounty on their head. Some people said they were all together in one place. They're probably all hiding. I'm, I'm telling you, life was not a, a pleasant experience, but Jesus rose from the dead. 
Changed everything. And he comes into their life. Oh, I wish I had time. You know, you think, you remember, you remember, uh, uh, you know, Thomas, he, I'm not going to believe till I put my hands in his, see the scars in his hands and, and the spear in his side. And Jesus walked not in the door, but through the door and said, howdy. If he was a Texan, he would have said, howdy. And, and, and Thomas, my Lord and my God, how many of you got it after that? But then he spent time readying them and prepping them because he knew he was about to leave and going to turn over some major responsibilities to these fishermen, these disciples. And so he, as the resurrected Christ, he came into their world and began to prepare them. I believe these 40 days of his interaction with this sibling, or pardon me, this, this infant uh, ragtag team of, of future church leaders was a supernatural season of preparation in their life. And it's almost like fast-tracking them, if you will, to, to a place of productivity and success. He poured it into them 40 days. You know, we go to retreats and things and, and have, you know, in-depth time of where we study and learn. They had a 40-day church growth seminar with the resurrected Christ. He's prepping them. He's preparing them. And that's what he was, had always been doing. In fact, if you remember what he told them when he first came in contact with them, as they're just, uh, you know, out minding their own business, he looks at a lot of these guys and he says, you know, guys, if you'll just follow me, I will make you fishers of men. What was he saying to them even when he met them? He was saying, if you'll follow me, if you'll make me Lord and leader of your life, I'll prepare you for the purpose of God for your life. And so in this story, we see Jesus preparing the church for their finest hour. And we need to embrace that truth. There, we, we've got to be prepared for his purposes. How many of you know you can't just rock, paper, your, scissors your way through life? You know, I talk about uh, 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 Brent here. He works at ExxonMobil. And I, I've never been there, but I, he talks about going in the room. I call it like the war room and all these buttons that you better not be pushing because uh, if you push the wrong button, if you push the wed one, you're in wheel twubble. Uh, you know, those kind of things. You know, he's got to know what he's doing. He's got to be there. He's got to be prepared for that task. They don't just, I couldn't get on, on uh, you know, I couldn't hire on ExxonMobil, walk in there and start punching buttons. There's a preparation. And that's what Jesus had been doing. He said, I'll prepare you. We, as, as Christians, as believers, we've got to embrace God and his preparing us for our finest hour to fulfill the kingdom purpose for our life. And here's what Peter said years later when he penned first and second Peter. He said this in first Peter chapter three, verse 15. He said, always be ready to give a defense or a reason for the hope that is within you, uh, yet with meekness and fear. Peter's telling the people that he's now ministering to years later, you've got to be ready for what God has for you. You've got to be prepared for the task. You've got to be equipped. And so I see that's what Jesus is doing with his disciples. Preparing them. And then number three, the third priority that exploded. This is where I kind of came uncorked on Matt and V. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm calling it the priority of staying the course. Everyone say, stay the course. Say it again. Stay the course. Let me show you something that I found. 
uh, in, in these first few verses. If you look in verse 2, it says this. It says, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Everyone say commandments. Now look down in verse 4. He said, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. These two words are not the same word. They're translated the same word, but they're not the same word. They have a different feel. They have a different... In fact, the second one is just kind of what you would think commandments mean. He commanded them. He instructed them. Uh, don't, you know, authoritative directive. Don't depart from Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. That's the word in verse 4, but not in verse 2. Let me tell you about this word commandments in verse 2. Uh, it has... It's, it's made up, and this is when you, when you study, study the Greek or the Hebrew, a lot of times they'll take two words and blend them together, and it makes a, uh, one word. And this is what they did here with this word. It, there's two root words for this. Gave, he's given commandments to the apostles. And here they are. The first one is the simple little word in. Everyone say, I in. I in, and I've told you this 101 times. If you've never heard this, then you're first time guest here. It's the biggest little word in the New Testament. Because if you hear Jesus or the apostles when they say, if any man be in Christ, he's a whole new creation. You think, well, what does that mean to be in Christ? That little bitty word means fixed in a fixed position, immovable, unchangeable. How many of you know that's a big word? That's a big little word. And when you look at it in Scripture and you look at it from that standpoint, it just brings up. If any man be fixed, established, immovable. You know, I used to be in concrete business and there was a given time of finishing out where when it, once it got fixed, it was fixed. You, you couldn't fix it anymore. You're fixed. That's the way it is. It's concrete. So that's the first part of this word. He has given commandments to his apostles. The second one is the where we would get the word end, just like the end of something. And this word, the Greek is telos, T-E-L-O-S. It, it's the word to set out for a def, definitive or def, uh, uh, a definite place or point to come to a conclusion or a goal. How many of you have ever done that? I'm going to Walmart and I ain't coming back without a gallon of milk. And if, the, if, it's not, if they're out of it at Walmart, I'm going to Brookshire's. If it's out of Brook, I'm coming home, bless God. The, the purpose of my departure, the purpose of my journey is milk. I will come back with milk. That's, and that's the end of it. And I'm not going to stop till I get there and get it home. That's the feeling of this word. So in fixed position to set out for a definite goal or conclusion. Now, how do we put these two together? Let me show you this word. I'm going to go there. You don't have, I want you to see this word in another place, just so you know what I'm talking about. Uh, this word in Matthew 24. I'm going to get over there real fast or semi-fast. And it's used in a couple of places. I'm going to show it. It's really used all of the New Testament. I just want to see it, you to see it here. Jesus talking about the end of days. Okay. Chapter 24, verse six. He says this, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end, that's the last half of this word commandments, but the end is not yet. It's not over. 
So here we go. Let's look at this word. Let me kind of put them together in Pastor Sam's, uh, you know, understanding once I looked at this. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, taught and trained the apostles during these 40 days, if you will, to stay focused and fixed upon the completion and the fruition of the gospel and the good, uh, or really the great commission of Jesus Christ. That's what he was working within them. Before they ever got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he gave commandments to them. He imparted to them. He was establishing within them the mindset and the understanding, you got to stay the course. Somebody say, stay the course. Because let me tell you something about church. If you don't have that, you don't even need the Holy Ghost. Well, wait, I thought the Holy Spirit gave me joy, joy, joy in my soul. It does, he does. But how many of you know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was not so you could get a goosebump and feel good and have Pentecost Sunday every Sunday morning. Even though it's good and I sense his presence and I feel him and he gives me joy unspeakable and full of glory, understand something. Here's what Jesus knew about these disciples and about these apostles. If they don't get this fixed mindset about finishing this thing that I have started, we might as well not start it in the first place. The last thing we need, I'm just talking out loud, Jesus. The last thing we need is a bunch of self-serving Pentecostals who think it's all about them. <laughs> Are you with me? Say amen. Now, I'm telling you, a, light, a little bit of light came on me with that one little word. He was, he was in, it, it, and it took him 40 days. <laughs> How many of you know when you're selfish by nature, it's hard to change? Now, watch this. I'm just going to throw this out to you. So he was saying, stay the course. You've got to be, you've got to have something built on the inside of you. You've got to have something, you've got to be established in this. You can't get distracted off this, this call of God over your life. And what was the call of God? Very clear, the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so here he is about to ascend to the promise of the Father. He's taught them. He's, in, he's, he's pushed it in them, pressed it in them, uh, modeled it for them. you got to stay the course. Somebody say, stay the course. There is a conclusion to this. In fact, I'm going to go back to Matthew. Let me show you. This is what they understood about all this. And this is what we need to understand about all this as well, because we're the church. If I were to go back, if you were to go back to Matthew 24, I just read to you, he said, wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. But then in verse 14, you follow me. Here's what he says. And this gospel of the kingdom, everybody say the kingdom. Now, what did he say in Acts 1? He was speaking to them things concerning the kingdom. What did Matthew 6, 33 say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Catch this, this gospel, this good news, this message of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, uh, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. There's the, there's the great commission. This gospel will be preached in all the world and then the end will come. 
See, Jesus has a plan here. There is an end to all this. But before the end comes, the gospel has to be preached to all the world and then the end comes. So here he is with his church, first century church. You gotta get this down. You gotta stay the course. Cause if we don't spread the gospel to the whole world, that's the whole purpose of why we're here. Hello. Everybody say stay the course. So he spent 40 days. Massage in there, and, and, it, and it says this about him concerning these these commandments and this insight. He spent forty days, but it says it says this about Jesus. He was take before he was taken up. After he through the Holy Spirit had given command, Jesus is flowing in the Holy Ghost for forty days with this first century church, and he's working them, and he's working them, and he's working them. It's not about you. You got to stay the course. We got to finish the course. The gospel must be preached in all the world as a witness. You got to go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, and you get the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and, and the other parts of the earth. But you got to stay the course. If you don't get stay the course down, there's no reason to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. So stay the course. Everybody tell somebody we got to stay the course. Now catch this. Jesus is about to ascend to the Father. And he says this to them. Here's his final words. He's been 40 days. Stay the course. Get this figured out. It's the gospel, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he says, now, don't, hey, go to, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father because you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now catch what they say. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? After 40 days of the resurrected Christ, stay the course. It's the kingdom of God. You know, we got we to gotta preach the gospel. All they could think of... Are you going to be the king of the, all the earth now? And we're going to be your right-hand men here on planet earth? That's what they're asking. I'm sure Jesus in his head went, OMG. Maybe we need another 40 days. And he just said, he just said this. It's not for you to know the times and the season, which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, this is not what you need to be thinking about right now. After 40 days, you still don't get it. And so here I am today, stay the course. Everybody say, stay the course. It's the priority of staying the course to fulfill God's purpose on planet earth for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross for the sins of all humanity with a sin, and he was sinless. He took on our sins, uh, into his own self. He, he died and was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead and put to flight every demon and devil in hell and, and, and took Captivity captive and says, I'm king of kings and Lord of lords. You got to take that to the whole world. Everybody say, stay the course. So with that in mind, we have to ask ourselves, what's the priority of the church? And I just said it. 
stay the course with the gospel. You know, if it doesn't have to do with the gospel, we need to shift gears. If it's not for the gospel benefit, we need to shift gears. Because it's all about the gospel being spread to all the world. So everybody say, stay the course. And I don't have my, I don't have my phone, so I don't know what time it is. Anybody tell me, tell me Barry, you look at your phone there. Time 11.50, okay. I'll, I'll do a couple more. So listen, let me go back through. He, in these 40 days, power principles for the church, uh, it's the, re, the priority of resurrection revelation. You got to get the resurrection down as the cornerstone of, of, of the gospel. Number two, you got to be ready. You got to be prepared spiritually. You got to have it. You got to be ready. You got to be ready to fight devils. You got to be ready to preach the gospel. You got to be ready to pray into the late hours of the night. You got to be ready to move when he says move. You got to be ready to prophesy when he says prophesy. You got to be ready to step up to the plate and speak when he says speak. You got to be ready and you got to stay the course. You can't be distracted. You can't just think about yourself. You got to realize this is a global purpose. God's got the whole world on his mind and you can't get off about your own mind. You know, this, me, myself, and you got to stay the course and say, "Not uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. you got to stay the course. Uh, and, and then, let me just say this. He taught them, I see it just as an overview, I'll say it quickly. The priority of corporate commitment. How many of you, when you look at Acts, it was a corporate effort. In fact, you read through it. In fact, years ago, I went through and started circling the words, them, they, uh, and, uh, just and it's just everywhere you know chapter 1 verse 4 and being assembled together with them he commanded them verse 6 therefore when they had come together they asked him verse 7 and he said to them verse 9 and when he had spoken these things while they watched uh, and it just goes on and on and you could throw these uh, verses up there verse 14 these all continued together with one accord in prayer and supplication chapter 2 and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire as set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God. Uh, and as the Spirit gave them utterance, you see clearly not only from the teachings of Jesus. You see, when Jesus came to town, when Jesus began his ministry, he wasn't an isolated, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, personality. He started building team. He started meeting with team members. He realized this is a group. It's a corporate effort. And you and I need to understand today, when we think about the priority of God for our life and his purposes through our life, we know how to embrace the fact that your life was intended to be wrapped into uh, the, the, the master plan of God in, in the local church that links up together with other ministries around the world, missionaries, pastors, friends, and Together, we win our world to Jesus Christ. Woo! And we got to be committed to the corporate effort. Amen? And I want to tell you, in this world we live in, there is a serious lack of that on every level. Because most people, when they go to work, they don't think about the corporate effort. They think about me, myself, and I. I'm here for me. I'm not here for this person. I'm not here to make this company better. I'm here to get a paycheck for me so I can be better. First chance I get, I'm stepping up for me. 
And so in the church, we've got to model the power of the corporate effort. And let me throw this out. I'll give you one more quickly. He taught in this and, and modeled for us the priority of godly governance. He said this. It says this about in verse 3. He was speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And we know the kingdom of God. The word kingdom means the royal realm of the king. The governance of God. The authority of God. And for 40 days, he affirmed to them as the resurrected Christ. He's speaking about things concerning how you live and move and have your being under the governance of God and his kingdom. Most people look at God as somebody you go to when you're in a pinch. Like your rich Uncle Joe or something. Oh my gosh, I got myself in a pinch. I better call rich Uncle Joe. How many of you know God is much bigger than rich Uncle Joe? But that's the way most people treat God. And what he's doing with these disciples here, he's saying, listen, you need to understand something. You're part of a bigger kingdom. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God and his governance in your life. It's about his royal realm and how you live and move and have your being and being governed by a higher power in our life. And his name is Jesus and I'm him. Are you with me? Say amen. Big priority. Let me just say it. I say it all. I say this in different ways all the time. A lot of people live their life on their own level under a natural governance in their life of what they think is good or bad, a right or wrong. They build this governance in their life of where they will go and they won't go. And, and however that happens, you know, mama told me it's not nice to do this, so I'm not going to do this. Or, you know what? I don't think it's wrong. We were talking about something that I can't mention in school system. V uh, works in the school system. And these Christian kids were up to no good in the back of the bus. You get my picture. They're Christian kids. And, 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 and in their mind and in the minds of a lot of people, well, that's really not sin. You know, you know, do I have to describe? I don't think I have to describe because in their mind, somebody uh, told them somewhere, uh, uh, that's really not sin. And so they build a system, we build a system of governments and governance and oversight in our little world. And we say, this is where I feel good about. This is how I feel good. And God's all out of the picture. And then when we need him, we holler at him like he's supposed to come running and take care of our mess. Now, you can tell that irritates me a little bit because that's the culture of the day. You live like you want to and develop your own sense of your own kingdom and somehow expect Jesus to be your, your, your divine slot machine that just every once in a while comes and just really blesses you. And he's telling them, that is not how you live life. It's the kingdom of heaven and the governance of God in your life. You got to make that top priority. Everybody say top priority. Now, the last one, I'm not going to go there, but next Sunday. See, I already got a, I'm already, because when, when most people read these first eight or 10 verses and I say, what's, what's Jesus teaching? What's the priority he's teaching here? Most people will go, well, you better be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And that's true. Cause he said, don't leave Jerusalem. Listen, 
uh, you got to stay the course. Here's the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, you're, you're a team. You got to do this together. Uh, you got to be prepared. You got to be ready. Uh, but let me tell you something now. I'm fixing to leave. You get the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything until you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And most people would say, and, and rightly so, that's a top priority. The top priority, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life. But, but that's not the totality. Most people that get them baptized in the Holy Ghost and you got it. No, if you don't stay the course, why on earth would he even baptize you in the Holy Ghost? Because the purpose for the baptism of the Holy Ghost is to empower you to fulfill what you're committed to do. Are you with me? So next week, we're going to talk about the priority of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm excited about that. And just think in Mexico, early in the morning, I'm going to be sitting on the overhang of our, you've probably seen pictures where we stay. It's up on a hill. The sun's coming up over the mountains of Mexico. And I'm going to be there praying for you and meditating on Sunday and preparing this next Sunday's message about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think about one of the acts passages are over into Acts where they received the Holy Spirit and the disciples came they said have y'all received the Holy Spirit since you believed and they said we don't even know what you're talking about we don't know what is this Holy Spirit we never heard that I said well you need to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they all got filled with the Holy Spirit baptizing the Holy Spirit that's it's a priority the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where we're going. Amen? Well, there I am. There I am. I'm done this morning. But understand something about priorities. I can't, I can't order your world. I can't come into your world and reorganize your world. I got my own world. I got my own... I can encourage you, but I can't order your world. I can't get you to a place where you embrace the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the reality that God has called you and me to finish the course, to stay the course. And sadly, as we heard from uh, Greg Laurie a few moments ago by way of video, 95% of Christians have never led one person to Jesus. Why? Because we got distracted. We didn't stay the course. So my goal, and I believe the goal of the Lord Jesus Christ is for us corporately to come together and order our world and realize that God has a plan for us to get involved in. A plan to bring people to Christ Put people in the chairs to hear the gospel and see his kingdom come and his will be done. Because he said this, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations to all peoples and then the end will come. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, today, we just come before you we thank you for your lordship in our life. 
and for the purpose of God over our church and over your church around the world. To preach the gospel of the kingdom. To proclaim the gospel to a world that is lost and without Christ. We thank you that you're going to use us. You're going to use us this year, this month, this week to begin to fulfill your kingdom purpose in the earth. Help us stay the course. Lord, I pray even now that people this week as they meditate on your word, this week they'd find themselves in their prayer closet being filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit and empowered from on high. to finish what you started on Pentecost Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said amen. I know it's time to go, but let me give you a little something to take with you today. Beverly and I have some friends in San Antonio. Their name, their name Brother Beatles. His first name, I call him Brother Beatles. Uh, his brother Beatles, his wife Inez, Inez, they're both about 95 years old and serving God nearly all their life. What great people. In fact, the, there was a message on, on, on Sunday night about vision, uh, getting a vision for your life. And there's Brother Beatles down on the altar, 95 years old. I think, man, if he ain't got a vision by now, but, you know, he's just tender before the Lord. His, they have a thing they learned years ago, and I'll, I may butcher it a little bit, but every morning they get up and they say, good morning, Lord. What are you up to today? What's going on in the world around me? I want to be a part of what you're doing today. I'm ready to participate in what you have planned. She told a story. Now, she tells long stories, and I do too, but I'll condense it. One day, she's coming in to her home, and a guy came up to her, never seen. He was asking questions. He's a businessman, and uh, she was trying to answer him, and she remembered what she had prayed that morning. And she just, before he left, she said something like this. She said, she said can I ask you a question? He said, well, yes, ma'am. She said, do you worship God anywhere in church? Do you go to church anywhere? And he kind of gruffly replied something to her and she said something and in, in 10 or 15 seconds she asked him about the third question and he stopped he said well ma'am I have to tell you the truth and she said, she said what he said I don't really even want to live anymore big tears began to well up in his eye began to drop on the garage floor and she said well let me pray for you I'm telling you, that's what God has ready for all of us. Good morning, Lord. What are you up to today? And can I be a part of what you want to do today? I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Let's do that this week. In fact, I know I've already prayed. Lord, let us this week begin to plug into your plan for our life and for this world. And Lord, even though it's not February, help us begin to tell our story and the story of Jesus to a world that is lost and without Christ. And everybody said amen.